Welcome to the Blockbusters and Birdwalks podcast. I am the curator, Garrett Chaffin Kirai. As written about and taught in the United States, the history of post-World War II movies often follows this pattern. Italian neorealism and responses to neorealism, the impact of TV, Hollywood spectacle, the French New Wave and responses to the New Wave, Cold War movies, social realism, movies from Sweden, Japan, and China, Hollywood's second golden age, New German cinema, third world cinema, Hong Kong, Bollywood, Australia, and New Zealand, the rise of the blockbuster, the impact of home video, corporate synergy versus independent production, CGI, international co-production, the impact of the internet, and streaming. We might add to this movie-centric list other sociocultural experiences, including civil rights agitation, anti-colonial independence movements, gender and sexuality-based advocacy, various wars, several epidemics, and more than a handful of economic crises. Then, we might sprinkle in some famous and influential people, both inside and outside the arts, like Kennedy, Gandhi, Kubrick, Warhol, Lucas, Thatcher, Reagan, Beyonce. Finally, we drill into specific movie titles and themes we're interested in exploring. Chapter 5 in this idiosyncratic survey of movie history, The Seventh Seal and Symbolism. Every country on Earth has its cultural heroes. When we turn to post-war Sweden, one of those heroes is Ingmar Bergman, a theatrical producer and director turned movie producer and director who, by the middle 1950s, had established himself as one of the key personalities in European art cinema. His 1957 movie, The Seventh Seal, is often referred to in film histories as one of the important European works of the post-war cinema. The reason for this is the way that it combines literal or realist imagery with figurative or non-realist imagery in the same story for which we are meant to unpack what we are looking at and ask ourselves what it all means. To pull back a step, let's remember that a question that often hovers around the creative arts is whether art imitates life, or is it that life imitates art? When we turn to something like The Seventh Seal, This is the story of a returning crusader, a man called Antonius Bloch, a knight played by Max von Sydow. He's returning home with his squire, Johns, played by Gunnar Bjornstrand. The pair of them wish to return to something like peace while also acknowledging their ten-year effort to give war in the Holy Land seems to have been worthless. As they return home, they encounter bodies that have been piling up because of the plague, Black Death. We also see a secondary story, Antonius Bloch literally playing a game of chess for his life with Death Incarnate, played by Bengt Ikerot. A parallel story that runs across Antonius's homecoming efforts features a troupe of traveling performers. The key characters here are a man named Joff, played by Nils Pop, his wife Mia, played by B.B. Anderson. Secondarily, they have a small infant child and some of the other troopmates that move along. Importantly, Joff has second sight. He is able to see things no one else can see, including death. The only other character who interacts directly with death is Antonius. 
And so the movie trades on watching Antonius deal with the fact he feels nothing in his life adds up to very much at all, while we watch Joff try to figure out how to preserve his wife and keep their troop going so they can find their next meal. And Death is constantly moving his pieces around the chessboard he's playing with Antonius in an effort to foreclose his latest transaction, and that is the death of Antonius himself. In the end, Antonius seems to make a play of revelation, for himself at least. His time is indeed done, but he can forestall Death's collection of his life and use this time to help Joff and his family of carnival goers escape and move by wagon across the plains of Sweden. People who watch The Seventh Seal for the very first time often feel they understand exactly what's happening. But there's a secondary thing that's going on, and that's the fact that we do meet death. So here are a few remarks to try to establish what The Seventh Seal is working out, at least to this viewer. One, we need to realize that there is a question of whether art imitates life. This offers us a way to think about the concept of mimesis, which is, in the most simplified possible way of examining the term, a representation of reality as we experience it when we walk out our front door. Mimesis is an approximation of the real, meant to substitute some form of expression for the real itself. Therefore, the concept of realism how we establish a creative form to express and encapsulate the real is what mimetic presentation is trying to do for us. Now pause. When you watch a movie, you're seeing things that you learn to trust with your eyes because you're seeing them as you gaze upon the screen. Seeing is believing. You're also hearing things, whether that's sound effects, dialogue, and the rest, which add up to an experience that matches what you see. We have learned to trust what we see, but a movie like The Seventh Seal asks us to consider whether that's something we can trust. Why do I say this? Well, remember, one of the key characters who remains spooky from first to last in this movie is Death. Garbed all in black, with a bald pate, Death shows up as somebody who offers dialogue, performs acts, deals with props, indeed is reacting to Antonius from scene to scene as somebody that we watch on screen. I ask you to consider, do you ever actually see death? You see how death overcomes objects, snails, insects, perhaps a relative, but we don't actually see death as a person. That's a falsification of a supernatural force that all of us are subject to that is placed on screen as something that we see. Because movies are a mimetic art form, they trade in realistic imagery to a certain degree. We have to trust what our eyes are giving us as evidence of what's happening even in a fictional account like the story of Antonius Block. Meaning, we see death on screen and we have to accept that death exists as a character that a person can talk to but we also need to realize that life often imitates art, which causes us to reflect on something else this movie presents. That weird qualification of ambiguity that unnerves some viewers, upsets some viewers, and turns off some viewers is also a way we need to regard and think about this movie in the middle 1950s when it lands. Folks then had in their near-term memory the experience of World War. They had in their near-term memory the experience that life doesn't necessarily have a meaning that we can point to and say, that's our purpose, that's why we are here. And that is the underlying journey that we watch Antonius 
Mark. He is trying to figure out why his life can matter, and is there anything left for him to do or observe that can leave a legacy of something valuable to the world. Whereupon we reflect that this very idea causes life, our reality, to mimic aspects of art. Bergman, through the character of Antonius Bloch in The Seventh Seal, is giving us instruction that our good acts, in this case, Bloch forestalling death's progress in killing him, may help innocent people survive for at least one more day, and that can be the ultimate act of goodness. For folks feeling the weight of the post-war moment, there is a dynamic here of existential crisis. What is the point of our lives? Bergman in The Seventh Seal suggests the point of our lives is trying to do the tactile, personal work of goodness for other people now to make things better. Of course, there are other things to say about this movie. It presents us with a young-ish Max von Sydow, who worked for near on six decades in movies both in Europe and in the United States. We see one of the world's great filmmakers, Bergman, presenting us with one of his early masterworks. We see black and white photography. We see an historical setting hundreds of years before the 1950s to reenact a piece of medieval Europe. We see the reconstruction of those props and sets and costumes, which to these eyes and ears look roughly accurate to the times. And we also have a deeply felt story of a deeply felt artist trying to figure out what undergirds our purpose as human beings, marching across the face of the earth, bumping into ourselves, trying to get through till tomorrow. That the movie story is displaced into the deep past that none of us remember allows this movie considerable play with the supernatural, like the figure of death. We also recognize that many creative people responding to the fractured and increasingly commercial world of the 1950s through now responded to that fact by retreating into established traditions or, like Bergman, trying to question the traditions that they had inherited. While the seventh seal isn't for all viewers, it remains significant for portraying an historic past that comments directly on the present if one is capable of interpreting what we see and we hear and applying it to the experiences of this very moment. Thank you for listening to the Blockbusters and Birdwalks podcast. My name is Garrett Chaffin-Kirai. Boop-boobity-doo!